Hey, beautiful people, you're listening to The He Report, a show that celebrates Black beauty 24-7-365. I'm your host, Olivia Hancock, and during each episode, I chat with incredible Black beauty entrepreneurs, editors, and executives about their career journeys, unique experiences with beauty, and the products that work for them. Today, I'm chatting with Bernard and James Bronner, who are a part of the legendary Bronner Brothers family. The brand's history dates back to 1947, when Dr. Nathaniel Bronner Sr., his brother Arthur Bronner Sr., and their sister Emma Bronner began teaching cosmetologists at the Butler Street YMCA in Atlanta. In the years that followed, Bronner Brothers became known for iconic hair products like Supergrow and their hair show, which is usually based here in Atlanta. Bronner Brothers is one of those brands that is so connected to Black culture and Black beauty culture. My mom and her sister used the products, and then my mom used them on me growing up as a kid. So needless to say, it was a pleasure to chat with James and Bernard Bronner and learn more about the company's seven-decade history. During our conversation, we chat about the brand's roots in Atlanta, the business and life lessons they learned watching their father grow the business, and what to expect from the next generation of their family. Keep listening to hear from the Bronner Brothers, and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so we can get started. And, you know, it's only right that we take it from the top and talk about, you know, where Bronner Brothers began. So I know it started in the 40s. And I'd love to kind of, you know, start from there and talk about, you know, what it was that your father and your your family members were trying to do and trying to achieve at that time. Well, I'll I'll start off. (laughs) The company was started 75 years ago. And my, my, my father started because he worked in his he worked with his sister in her beauty shop. And he his his number one job was throwing papers. So he threw papers and on his side worked with his sister to sell hair products in her shop. Mm-hmm. He noticed people were paying him better for the hair products than they were for the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Hence changing his direction from just news to hair products. And the hair started um, as a it was an educational group that taught beauticians how to use the products that he distributed and 75 years later the show is still doing exactly the same thing it teaches professional beauty and barbers how to use the product safely and effectively mm-hmm. and i know you know through the hair show business there were so many i to those early shows, you know, speaking like Jackie Robinson, Martin Luther King, you know, how did that play a role in the growth and the visibility of the brand? And, you know, I would love to learn a little bit more about that. Okay, I'll answer that since that's a short question. Um, So my father, he really focused on building the community uh, with the speakers. He really wasn't uh, focused on building the brand with them. But once he built the community and really invested in them, uh, they began to trust the brand. So they kind of went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And he didn't just do it even at the show. Uh, he had a lot of uh, different campaigns. So it was a period of time when black on black violence escalated. And he had a lot of uh, uh, murders uh, in our community. So he started this black on black love campaign mm-hmm. instead of black on black crime. And he began to, to get, you know, civic leaders together and get people and, and, and begin to reconcile some of the issues uh, to inspire harmony in our, in our community. He brought in uh, famous speakers to the shows, but then he had in, 
between the shows, he had um, neighborhood seminars on health, mm-hmm. uh, finance, uh, entrepreneurship, uh, even with the health of our community. He would bring in speakers from around the world just to teach them how to eat and, and how to live. So things that they might not have been exposed to uh, in their upbringing. So he, he did a, a lot of those things and, and people just appreciated just a holistic help for their lives. Yeah, he, he, he was... He was very holistic in nature. Yeah. yeah. And you hear about this movement, you know, that he was building at that time. But I'd love to know, you know, from you, you know, growing up under his wing, getting to see all that he was building. What was that like for you? You know, what, growing witness to him building this brand. What was that experience like? I'll let my brother go on that first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just a little tight then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time with my father um, helping build the company, mm-hmm. but James was the youngest, and he stayed in the house <laughs> the longest of any child. <laughs> so he he's more like my daddy than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say at the time, um, I couldn't fully appreciate it growing up young mm-hmm. because... He was the toughest man that we knew. So, <laughs> so he, he he was a, a disciplinarian. Uh, you, you can't appreciate that when you're 10 and 12 mm-hmm. years old. So he trained us up the hard way. Um, uh, my, our classmates, you know, knew about Bronner Brothers and they thought we were coming to school and limousines and things <laughs> like that. And they didn't realize. I was actually walking to school, <laughs> so, so they, they thought we just had maids and just butlers, but uh, they didn't realize we were getting up before school, throwing papers, mm-hmm. so he, he really taught us uh, the old-fashioned hard way, so he grew up on a farm and was brought up the hard way, and that's how he brought us up, so mm-hmm. you can not really appreciate that growing up, <laughs> but as I got older, uh, I could appreciate the development uh, when I started start having kids, mm-hmm. uh, I began to implement a lot of those same things with them. And a lot of business associates of my father, when we saw their kids, they may have had a lot of things that we didn't have materially. Mm-hmm. And we can see they didn't have the development. So so I could appreciate it more. When you're young, you, you're looking at yeah. other people get this. But when, as I got older, I could appreciate that development of the paper route. Uh, learning how to, that was our first time learning how to sell and how to collect money, how to do accounting and all of that. And we used to sell those souvenir books at the beauty shows there by yourself. And, and I started my paper route at, at, at five, at, at actually about seven years old. So, and I can't imagine, you know, sending my seven year old out by themselves now. So I didn't even know how to ride a bicycle at the time. So it, it was it was great training, uh, very developmental, but you had to be a little older before you appreciated it. So as I as I got older and looked back, I could see the wisdom in my father. Yeah. Uh, but going through it, you, you couldn't couldn't appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome training. I mean, and just some uh, other examples of uh, just the the people that he allowed us to be exposed to. So I remember I went to uh, Benjamin E. Mays High School uh, here in Atlanta. And I remember being, you know, 
12 years old and going to Benjamin May's house. So Mm -hmm. we went to his house because my father went to Morehouse and, you know, he was the president of Morehouse and just sitting at his feet, uh, getting the wisdom there. And then later, as I became a teenager, going to his school, it gave me a greater appreciation of who this what this school stood for because I had sat at the feet of the man. So things like that and, and being exposed to uh, Jesse Jackson and um, and just uh, Andrew Young and just great leaders uh, growing up. Uh, he uh, was, was, was good friends with Dick Gregory and, and, and just being able to talk with them you know, for hours at a time uh, on a yearly basis, it, it just was very developmental. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to ask about, you know, in retrospect, now you mentioned you can appreciate those lessons that you learned from your father and that he was imparting on you when you were a child. So if you were to, you know, think about some of those things, what would be like the biggest lesson that you carry with you through the business and life now that he, you know, imparted on you? So I think if you ask all of the sons, the first thing they would tell you would be exactly the same. So he kind of repeated it over and over and it was easy to remember. So the first thing, it was a priority system. It was God first, uh, family second and business third. Mm-hmm. And that was, it sounds very simple, but it was a structure that really ordered everything. Um, and, and, and again, it, you couldn't appreciate it growing up because it, it sounded so simple and it, it just seems normal to us. But when we looked around and saw those who didn't follow that system, when they when they put business above their family and just worked all of the time, didn't mm-hmm. spend time with the kids. What we saw when it, when it was time for the second generation like us, they weren't developed. The kids, they, didn't, they wanted no part of the business because... Mm-hmm. In their minds, this business was something that took my father away from me. So we could understand um, the importance of putting that family first because my father understood that he wouldn't always be here. Another businessman asked him one day, you know, what will happen to the business uh, if you die one day? And he said, what do you mean if? He knew it was a matter of when. So he prepared us, you know, while he was still uh, living and he allowed um, Bernard to take over while he was living. So he didn't wait till he passed. He 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 let him take over so he could walk him through and train him and, and, and coach him along the way. So he didn't he he had foresight. So he didn't he didn't wait till he was too old to still be there to to groom us while we were doing it. So that's the biggest lesson is that God first, family second and business third. And, and because of that, um the God portion, uh there uh four of us that are ministers. So we, we, mm-hmm. we pastor two different churches and that's one of our biggest outreaches. So, so that prioritizing and we had a Bible class in the home for 13 years. So all of that stuff came out of the home. So it, yeah. it impacted the whole community uh, just by that priority system. And then the family is allowing us to carry on the business and we're imparting that same principles to the third generation and they will be able to carry on and help us get to a hundred years. So it sounds very simple, but there are very few organizations that actually order it like that. They get caught up in the money mm-hmm. and, and they just prioritize it above above family and above their, their spiritual life, above their health. Uh, my father also, he prioritized health and he said, you know, you only have one body. So you, you, you can spend your health trying to make money 
And then when you get sick, you'll try to spend all of your money trying to get your health back. Yeah. So so he saw businessmen sitting laying in the hospital with millions of dollars and, and you know they would give every penny just to get their health back. So this yeah. that was the kind of wisdom that he imparted. It wasn't just business lessons, it was really life lessons. Yeah. yeah. And I'll I'll give the second set of principles that he instilled in us. The second set of principles was <clears throat> work hard, be honest, and keep good company. Mm-hmm. And when he told us about the working hard, he basically said that he wanted us to make sure, just like his father taught him, is he didn't care if you work. He, he didn't care. He wanted us to work at half a day. And he said, I don't care if you work the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. So that was his definition of a half a day. (laughs) (laughs) And like I say, he wanted us to have morals, be honest. And then he, you know, he warned us about being around the wrong people and, and teaching us how Staying with good company is just good for you. So, so those set uh, complemented the first set that Jane gave you. So, between those set of principles, formed our lives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he laid such an incredible groundwork for you guys to do what you're doing today. And I kind of want to segue now to you know you guys assuming the role of the second generation when you guys you know took the leadership. So. For you, when you guys really, you know, took over and, you know, were leading the charge with Bronner Brothers as you are today, I know the core principles always remain the same. But when you, the second generation, came in, was there anything that you guys were trying to do and develop that was a bit different or anything that you guys wanted to, you know, develop now that, you know, it was in your hands? Well, when we took over, when we took over all of the things my dad had instilled in us was in us but our youth we we were we were a little crazy at first we were a little wild uh some of the people can remember we got into record business so we became we became <laughs> musicians we 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 ran a little wild but the good thing is when you plant good seeds, they eventually sprout. So we, we came back around and started taking care of business the way he had put it in this for us. Mm-hmm. But he did understand that he wanted us to actually live, enjoy a lot of things. And he understood we would make mistakes. And he, he allowed and allotted for us to make mistakes, learn, and become better because of it. So so I'll add to that that a lot of the major change actually happened while he was still alive and president. And the reason is because he involved us in the business at a young age. So just as a few examples, so Bernard there, he, so my father, he, he, he specialized in really salon service. So he had a fleet of uh, vehicles that would service salons. So, so Bernard, he, he, he got us into mass distribution. So, so he did that while my father was still president. So, so he was over that and yeah, he, he started uh, our in-store promotions program where you go to the chef at Walmart and there's a person there to tell you about the product. So those were a lot of initiatives, getting you into grocery store 
stores, the drug stores, uh, the big box stores. Uh, my oldest brother, Nathaniel, so my father, again, he was distributing a product where they were getting it private label, where we weren't really making anything ourselves. So he, my oldest brother, majored in chemistry when he came out of school and got in the company, he set up manufacturing. So we began to make our own products. So a lot of the transformative stuff from the second generation really happened during my father's lifetime while he was still president. He he, he really didn't hold us down. He would mm-hmm. put us in position and gave us freedom to really grow and flourish there. Um, I, I majored in computer engineering. So when I came out of school, you know, I put up a website and began to, to start selling our show tickets online, products online, get the social media going. So things like, so whatever whatever our area was, we, mm-hmm. we really did that uh, when we came into the, the company. You know, it's so important that he let you guys, you know, flourish in your own individuality and, and, you know, contribute those ideas. And you mentioned the whole idea of, you know, the products and the manufacturing and and being in big box retailers. So I want to talk a little bit about the products. You know, Bronner Brothers has developed some of the most, you know, iconic products and like Supergrow and so many different things. So for you guys in terms of developing products, what has always been top of mind in terms of developing and, you know, creating products for our community? Well... My father's claim to fame was him and his brother built a distribution network. They had thousands and thousands of salons and barbershops that they sold products in. So when we came along, we had we already had their distribution network already designed for us. And like James said, I, I did get us into retail stores. And my father had distributed some of the best products. When we came out, we had all of their experience and we were able to build on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we have been able to at least develop about 20 number one products over those years that we've had it. Uh, We started with in in the curl business, and we had number one curl products. We had a Cosmopolitan curl and Wonder curl and all of the curl products. Then we came out with African Royale and we had African Royale braid spray. We had African Royale hot six. Then we had the Super Grows and then we expanded that. And now we have come out with, with the natural design products. So we've had years and years and years of the foundation of, of the distributorship. Now we are able to take all of that experience, all of the resources, and produce no matter what people want, we have been able to adapt and produce and go number one. And we still have a lot of number ones in us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to still develop a lot of number one products and I'm going to follow my father with making sure we have succession plans in place to get us to that third and fourth generation. Yes, yes. In talking about you track record of developing new and innovative products. I know that the Tropical Curl Roots is one of the newest collections to come out from the brand. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Like what was the inspiration behind, you know, this particular line and collection? 
Well, tropical roots was people going natural and people with braids, locks and twists and mm-hmm. and our love for Caribbean. We we was all going over when my father was alive, he spent one month every year in Jamaica without any of his kids, without his wife <laughs> in Jamaica. <laughs> so we have always been fun of the Caribbean always been fun of of oceans and beaches <laughs> so coming up with uh, tropical roots and designing product products that uh, they have a lot of ingredients that come from inspired by the Caribbean and and, mm-hmm. and our people in all kind of countries yeah. and I have been you know, enjoying going to those countries and finding out and making sure that we're on top of it. I love that. And so, you know, I want to talk about another happening that's happening with the co- the company right now, which is the hair show. You know, after a hiatus of, due to the pandemic, you're coming back next month. So I'd love to talk about that. And, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording about what the, the prep and everything that's going into it. But I'd love for you to kind of set the stage of what people can expect this year. Okay, well, this is this has really been a trying time over the last eighteen months. So, this was the first time in you know seventy something years that we didn't have a physical show last year. Mm-hmm. So, but we didn't want people to still lose the experience of coming together. So we did what we could, and that, and that's a lesson my father always taught us. You don't don't focus on what you can't do and what you don't have. Focus on what you have and what you can do. So that's what we did. And we did a virtual show last year. So that we brought together our exhibitors on a virtual platform. And we, we put together the best of some of our entertainment. And we had um, we brought educators into the studio and, and, and allowed them to, to teach their class with, with digital screens behind them. And we put all of it into a, like a Sims type of simulation uh, into a virtual show, a very high tech virtual show. You know, one thing I wanted to pivot to and talk to, you know, your company has been based in Georgia, you know, its entire history. And Atlanta particularly is such a rich city for especially beauty entrepreneurs. So for you, why do you feel like, you know, Georgia and Atlanta has been such a wonderful place for your company to be based and thrive? And how have you seen, you know, the city evolve through your time here in terms of beauty entrepreneurship? James, you want to answer that? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how my dad ended up picking Atlanta, but he picked mm-hmm. a great city. <laughs> we have traditionally, we have traditionally, with our company, been so involved with the community. Mm-hmm. At one time before COVID, we were doing over 200 events where we would have booths selling products, where we would support these events. And one of the things that have been told to us is all the events that say we have our conventions, we have our conventions and change cities every year, but every time we go to Atlanta, we break records. So I can name you at least 10 conventions that confirm their best conventions are in Atlanta. 
So I don't know how my daddy knew that Atlanta was going to be the best African-American attended city in the world, but it is. People love, it's, it's something about Atlanta they love. And, and I travel so much. I travel all over the world. So I, I have missed what they, what they see, but there is something that, there's some magnet that attracts African-Americans to Atlanta, and when they come, they don't want to leave. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the one of the changes I've seen in the city uh, since we've started here is the growth of uh, the movie industry. So we've of, mm-hmm. of course become that mecca for for movies, and that's that's very integral to our business because all of those movies and television shows and streaming shows they. They have stylists and makeup artists on set, uh, fashion designers, and, and those are the people that are trained at our shows and educated our shows uh, and competed our shows. So it, it, it's been a, a great place because our show has been like the New York fashion week. It's a place where styles are set. So, and those movies are where you see those styles. So, it, so it's, it's great to have. Uh, the marriage of the movie industry and the entertainment industry uh, now concentrate in Atlanta, and you have the beauty show. So it's, it's I think it's a match uh, made in heaven. So it, it works hand in hand. So our a lot of our attendees and instructors, like I said, they they just go right on the street and work on set and come to the show, uh, learn more and teach what's going on, and they set the trends. They come and, and share techniques, uh, share trends. And then they, they go out right on the street to the set, to Tyler Perry Studios <laughs> or wherever, and and they display those trends on the on the screen, on the television, on the mobile device, and then it goes all over the world from there. Yeah. So so I think that's a perfect hand in hand uh, just blend. Yeah, it, Atlanta is truly you know the perfect place for beauty, and you know I want to switch gears a little bit and in the conversation talking about you know the next generation and the legacy of Bronner Brothers. So, you know, you guys are the second generation and we've talked about, you know, your kids and everything, but are you guys now in a point where you're kind of training them to, you know, one day assume the roles in the company? Have any of them, you know, began, you know, intermingling and learning different things? James, you want to answer uh, that? Yes, I can answer it. So, okay. so, so yes, we definitely, we're, we're doing the same thing that uh, my father did. So he he trained us uh, while he was still running the company, and he trained us by allowing us to do it. So we're we're doing the same thing. Uh, if you come to the beauty show, you will see Bronner children all over the place. <laughs> and used to we used to have these little souvenir books, and you would see little kids uh, selling the books. So that's that was their first training. So they all had to get used to selling to, and build their people skills. And then they moved up. So they're, they're just doing all type of things from social media to managing main stage to, mm-hmm. to, to working in the lab to just, just doing all types of things. So we are training them. Um, we're, we're still that active in the business ourselves. Yeah. So, so we're still fairly young. So, but they are, they are uh, doing well. Uh, some of them are finishing school. And then we'll analyze their talents, their interests, and, and, and then see where the needs are in the, in the company. 
as they get older and we have so it was my father and his brother were the original Brunner brothers and then my father had six sons and we're now mm-hmm. running the company those six sons produced 30 grandchildren wow. so we have <laughs> and the benefit of having that 30 is not everybody's going to be interested and not everybody is going to have the skill set that's in an area of mm-hmm. our related business so so we will be able to, to pick those that have the skill set and the interest uh, and the availability so so we have a lot more to choose from <laughs> a lot more I, to choose from i love that i mean i think well the family legacy continues and i'm sure it feels full circle to now be engaging in that with your kids and seeing where your nieces and nephews skill sets fit in is such a beautiful full, full circle moment yeah. And, and one of the differences I think you will see. So each each generation has produced changes and differences. Mm-hmm. So I think that the biggest difference you'll see in the next generation. So you, you've had two generations of Brunner brothers. That generation of 30s is more females. Mm-hmm. So you've seen for two generations what the Brunner brothers can do. Next, you'll see what the Brunner sisters can do. <laughs> I love that. I and love they're, that. Really, they're really they're 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 very talented. They're they're very talented. And, and I think think you will see a broadening of the company mm-hmm. like we don't we don't know how to do makeup so you'll see yeah. girls that are, that are putting on makeup you'll see them coming out with bb makeup lines you know we mm-hmm. we we wear, we wear regular business attire but they wear everything so you you yeah. may see brother brothers clothing lines and just all type of things so i think they will expand us just by the nature of them being female and we and we have them in the lab now and in the product meetings now uh giving us ideas so they're already having influence but i i think as they finish school and, and become more visible i think you'll get a different flavor of the company so that's i think that's the biggest change uh that you'll see that that's the first generation where there are more females mm-hmm. and they're, they're very talented they're passionate and and, and I, I think they will really take the reins and really take us into that next generation. I love that. I think, you know, like you said, the possibilities are endless for what Bronner Brothers can grow to. You know, it's already become such an important brand in our community over, you know, so many decades. And I think the possibilities of where it can go from here are endless. And I think, you know, that next generation and you guys are going to continue to build it into this incredible brand that will forever cherish and celebrate in our community. by B.A. Kasanga. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes of The He Report. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also stay connected with our growing Black Beauty community by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The He Report. 